Good afternoon, the back community. Thank you, as always. You guys know how I like to start these things off by saying thank you for staying involved. Thank you for staying engaged. Uh, this afternoon, we happen to have uh, Miss Charlene Ridley of Unpause Your Dreams, and she's going to be with us on the back community. So, Char, uh, thank you very much for affording me your time today. I look forward to diving into your story, talking all about your life as a transitions coach, and you got to put me up on Clubhouse because, you know, uh, I'm a novice and I'm learning all these things, but I, I'll get into that later. So first things first, Shar, thank you uh, uh, for allowing me to tell your story on the back community. Thank you for being uh, uh, on today. Thank you for creating the space to highlight people that are doing amazing things. I mean, I, I follow you. I've been following you though for years, right? Um, and you're always making sure that you give back. So I really appreciate that about you and Appreciate you having me on. All right. Hey, listen, somebody's got to do it. And, you know, uh, uh, we both come from the same town, lived on the same street for a while. Shout out to Third Street. Third I know street. I, was, I was messing with you when I uh, uh, when I posted and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to go all the way back to Third Street on this. Third right Street, there. right? Yeah. That's a long time ago. You know, I grew up on one city block in my whole life. Mm. That whole block. I was born on Livingston. Moved to mm. Judson, then grew up on third. Mm. One block, my whole life. <laughs> mm. so. That's got to be tough. It'd be like, listen, uh, especially back then, we used to think the world was Albany. It revolved around these three, four block radiuses. And then like going to a place like Schenectady or Latham, like, wow, that's going to take hours to get there. No, it only takes a couple of minutes. <laughs> Do you know I never went to Clifton Park when I was a kid? See, see, you know, I never did, right? Because if I lived on one city block my whole life, my cousins were on Judson Street, other cousins on North Lake, mm. Second Street, down the block on Third, up the block, around the corner on Livingston Ave. Everything I needed was in that yep. one <laughs> little area, right? It was a whole thing to go across town to Dana Ave. Like, oh, we going across town today. I'm gonna go see my auntie in the. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now I think about it, it's like what. 10 minute drive yeah yeah mm -hmm. listen that's the same thing with grafton's or or, or thatcher park when oh, we would yeah. go out there for the for the summers or fourth of july's be like man we're gonna be in the car for so long it's gonna take four hours to get there you like oh. as you get older you you know i mean your uh, perspective towards time changes actually it's not that far away my friend <laughs> that's true but i also think i think that once we started exploring outside of our neighborhood it, it didn't seem like, because if, if everybody in your world is, is two minutes away, you could walk yeah. to their house in two two to three minutes. Yeah. I mean, I could cut through my yard and be on Livingston Ave at my other cousin's house. Then time is relative, right? It seems like, oh yeah, that's really far. When I go with Camp Opportunity mm. way up to Grafton or even to get to Camp Opportunity riding a mm -hmm. bus, I was like, I hated it. My mother used to be like, you know, have fun. I was like, but it's so far. Mm. <laughs> it was like a whole road trip. Yep. Now, you know, I live in Charlotte. I go get my hair done 35 minutes away. Facts. <laughs> everything is, everything is 30, 30 minutes away for the <laughs> most part. For the most part, right? But growing up, it wasn't like that. And I kind of feel bad for our kids because they don't get to know what it's like to just mm. walk around the corner to somebody's house. Mm. No, have yep. that independence and that kind of stuff. When my kids are in Albany, Ava Grace loves like Stewart's. 
She thinks Stewart's <laughs> is the best place in the world. She's like, um, I'll be back. I'm going to Stewart's. <laughs> we like, like, what you going to Stewart's for? I don't know. I don't ice know. cream. I don't know. She goes with ice cream. Ice She's cream. Just, the whole thought that she can walk yeah. go there herself and get lots of different stuff, mainly ice cream. She loves it. But you know, that was our life growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was uh, uh, our our little level of independence that also prepared us for later in the world to be able to sustain ourselves in larger places. You know, it's true. a lot of benefits of growing up in a small spot too. But uh, before I go down too far down that lane, man, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I want to formally allow you to introduce yourself uh, to the back community because you put in too much work for me to not do you uh, any justice on that. My first official question for you, Shar, as I like to call you, I know to the world you are the transition coach to the stars, but uh, here's your opportunity to tell the back community more about you. Uh, what kind of work do you do and, and how did you get into uh, 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 your current uh, position as a transition coach? Here's the opportunity to tell the back community about you, Shar. All right. Well, you know, you can always call me Shar. So growing up, everybody calls me Shar. I am Charlene Ridley. And I started an organization called Unpause Your Dreams. And what I do is specialize in coaching people through transitions. So really working with people in a couple of areas of life, right? Whether it's career transitions and growing their careers, whether it's moving to a new city or an area, or whether it's starting a new business or scaling an existing business. All of those are transitions that need to be managed. And you really need help and assistance with helping you transition seamlessly, as I say. So that's what I like to do. Um, How did it get started? I think that I am the queen of recreating myself, (laughs) (laughs) right? So of course, born and raised in Albany, New York. I've lived in eight states now Mm. um, across the country and I've had a, a ton of different jobs. So I've been a licensed trader, I've been a realtor, I've been in data and analytics. So one thing that I got really good at was recreating myself, deciding that I wanted to do something and changing my entire life to fit it, right? Mm. But I didn't really have anybody to coach me through that process. So there was lots of bumps and bruises, a little Mm. bit of skin knees and things like that Mm. to get to the place that I am in life. And I wouldn't do it differently, but I decided that this is somewhere that I can help other people. I like that. I like that. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. You said that you lived in eight states. And, you know, shout out, shout out to your current state, because everyone that knows me know I got number love for the Queen City. Shout out to Charlotte down there in North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. Changed my life in, uh, in, in, in Charlotte, you know. But uh, uh, being from the Capital District, how has that transition been for you uh, uh, transitioning to Charlotte? Charlotte is different. So it's so interesting because Charlotte was actually on my radar as the first place that I was considering going Mm. when I left the Capital District. I came Mm. down to Charlotte for a week and left. Mm. (laughs) There wasn't enough going on. I was like, "Uh -uh, no, this is not it for me. And over the years, I've had lots of friends and family that have lived here. I just had no desire to come back. But finally, you know, sometimes it's, 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 a divine alignment. And so when I decided to come back, my parents retired down from New York State to live in North Carolina. And I was moving mm-hmm. closer to them. And it just everything aligned. Everything mm-hmm. aligned. And I'm in the right place at the right time for me and my family. So I like being here. 
Um, I've still shocked to say that because if you talk to me, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, oh, I'm never going to Charlotte ever. Like, but I love it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. A lot of people was like that, man. My uncle came down uh, for my graduation. And I remember when he came down, uh, he was just like, Ty, he was just like, uh, uh, Charlotte is so dry. He was just like, he's like, I'm never coming back here. Charlotte uh, had nothing going on. <laughs> uh, and that, that was what, I graduated in 2005, but uh, it, it was developing at the time. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, he ended up moving back to Charlotte. So he had to eat his words. So he ended up moving there from, from Harlem and moved down to Charlotte and fell in love. So, yeah, it so, changed over the years. I have to yeah. say that because, like, when you were when you first of all, it was different for you, right? Shout yeah. out to HBCUs. I didn't know anything about them growing up, okay? But if I did and I could do it over, I would do HBCU. Now you had that community, so you had that connection. So you, so Charlotte was a whole different thing for you. Yeah. I mean, being correct, connected to um, school. But when I moved down here, the one week. I lived here mm. for one. There was like one skyscraper, mm. <laughs> one city building. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I mean, I know Albany isn't huge, but we had buildings, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh no, y'all are not moving me down here. They have nothing going on. But over the years, it has evolved. And I mean, now you look at yes. Charlotte, the number two banking city in the nation. And there's so much going on. A hundred people a day are moving to the Charlotte area. Lots of them from Albany, because I know quite yep. a few people from back home that are here now. I, I agree, man. I always tell everybody, yo, it's like at least a good 25% of the population uh, of Albany has moved to Charlotte. Uh, also places where I'm at in the DMV area. So uh, uh, heavy, heavy in Maryland. But uh, uh, throughout the DMV area too. But uh, yeah, I, I figured uh, I, I figured uh, I would ask you that because you know I got a an, an, uh, a deep love for Charlotte the same way I got a deep love uh, uh, for Albany. It's two places that will get me energized if I ain't got no energy, especially when I'm driving. If I'm driving to Charlotte, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I love driving, I get to listen to my music. If I'm driving to Charlotte, I got extra energy, and it's been like that from years. Even traveling from Albany to Charlotte. It, it would be like a 12 hour drive and we would come down for CIAA's every year. And I would bring about nine people with me in three different cars. And we'd be down there and like, listen, I got this the whole way, you know, or, or driving back home to Albany does that to me now too. It's just like, he's like, Ty, how do you do this? You're not tired now. I'm good. I got, I got, I got, I got a place in mind where I'm going that I know I'm going to be happy when excited I get Excited to get there. Excited to get there. See, you said CIAA, you know, I feel like I'm all right, I know, I know I've been uh, talking to you a lot about the QC, but I'm going to bring it back to the Capital District for this next one. Shar, uh, what was it like growing up in the Capital District for you? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. What was it like growing up in the Capital District? Well, first of all, I had lots of family, right? Mm. So I think... I think for me, more than anything, I have all of those memories of a close-knit family and just being, like I said, my cousins being around the corner, you know, we used to have, we used to have like the best cookouts at my house on Third Street. We used to mm -hmm. go to the park. We used to just have fun. So I had a lot of great memories of growing up in the Capital District. But there's a lot of stuff I didn't know too, right? There's a lot of stuff. 
which is why I'm so excited about like what you're doing and what other people are doing, like what Todd um, Todd's yeah. doing with um, the expos and things like yeah. that. Growing up in the Capital District, what I was missing, and it's crazy, right? Because I lived on Third Street. I went to private schools. Mm. What I didn't get to see was Black excellence, mm. right? I was missing that, right? And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that there was no Black excellence. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just yep. saying that I didn't know about HBCUs. I didn't mm. know about that we could really be doctors, lawyers, that we could do all of those things, right? Like I went to school with, with predominantly white children who whose parents had all of the range of, of activities and um, professions and things. But then I would come home and I remember coming home when I was like seven and I said, Ma, I want to be an attorney when I grow up. And mm. she was like, Char, be careful. Be careful. If you grow up and get a good state job, you'll be just fine. <laughs> I'll never be like, oh, and that's no offense to people that work for the state because the state is it's a great living, right? No, that, that was just a big difference, though. You were shooting for the moon already. She was just like, she was like, bring it down a notch, right? And and I had a hard time reckoning with that, like, so I can't be an attorney. Like, I should just grow up and work for the state, huh? Like, I didn't get it. And so I say all of that to say, I thought as much as I had an amazing life there, it would have been so much cooler to be able to see all of the amazing things that Black folks were up to outside of our community or even in our community, right? Because there were some people in our community that were doing amazing things that I didn't even know. You know, rest yeah. in peace, Warren Mackey. I knew him very closely growing up. I had no idea that he was this amazing man of influence, right? He was just Mr. Mackey. <laughs> like, I just didn't know. I didn't get to connect those dots. Yeah, and that's and that's that's one of the things I love just about growing, uh, growing up. And and I'm not gonna say just getting older because some of us get older and still don't grow. So that's why I said sure. growing, because you know Albany is uh, a sprinkled throughout Albany, connected Detroit, the capitalistic area. We have a lot of positive black excellent figures. Uh, we got a lot of people who are contributing to overall society, but we're not looking for those things. I know I wasn't. When I was when I was younger, I was looking for who was the baddest, roughest, toughest person in the hood, so that that way, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, how how can I figure that one out? Or who was getting all the girls? You know what? I'm gonna match that and see how I can figure that one out. But who was best dressed? Doctors. Yeah, right? Who yeah. was best dressed? <laughs> yeah. You know, but 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 we had those things, man. We had doctors. We had lawyers. We had people like Lloyd Stewart. Uh, uh, who was down there uh, running the Urban League. Uh, we had all types of- Hold on, I grew up with his daughter too. This is what I'm saying. There was a disconnect. I grew up, Tahira and I were very good friends, right? We went to school mm. together. Again, disconnect. I knew yeah. all of these amazing people that were examples of Black excellence. Yeah. But had no clue. But we also didn't grow up in an environment where you asked your friends, like, what do your parents do? <laughs> do you Never. Know what I mean? Never ever. So that's Mr. Stewart. That's Mr. Mackey. I just I didn't had no clue what they did yep. ever. Mm. Yep. That's that. That's a really good point, man. And it's because a lot of it is uh, a lot of it has nothing to do with um, a lot of it just has to do with exposure. And I mean, I and I've said for years. I think especially for young adults, uh, the two most 
the, the two most important ingredients is um, consistency mm -hmm. and exposure. If, if you can expose young adults and even adults too, you know what I mean, to, uh, to different avenues, to different ways of life, you know what I mean, it, it opens up doors, it, open up, it opens up creativity. And if you could do it on a consistent basis, it starts to become more normal. I look at Albany, we got like eight, maybe eight or nine different schools just in the Capital District area. And do you know how often people from those communities actually frequent those universities? So there should be no reason why college uh, is this so is this far off uh, illusion that people feel like oh, I, I can't really grasp because we have access to so much of it right there that we can get uh, just within our own backyard. I agree with you. But one thing that came up for me when you were just saying consistency and exposure is conversation, right? Mm -hmm. It's the conversation because some people would argue that I had amazing exposure, right? Like I knew all these people, but we never had a conversation about anything, mm. right? So if we didn't have a conversation. Even the exposure didn't help me. Or my parents, <clears throat> my parents, I remember when I graduated and I, I was pregnant when I graduated. Mm. And so I was like, well, there goes college. And I don't even know that honestly I had ever thought about college, even though I went to private schools. I went to private schools up until I went to the high in 10th grade. But I didn't think about college as being a real thing because no one ever had a conversation with me about it. Mm -hmm. And my parents were like, like when we sat out and talked about it later, they were like, well, what did you think we were sending you to private schools for? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I didn't want to go. Like, I never wanted to go. I just wanted to go to our community school with my friends. Like, yeah. so if you were sending me for this grand idea that it would prep me for college, maybe you should have shared the idea with me. You should have told me. You, you should have told, told me, me right? Yeah. I had the exposure of these amazing schools and this amazing education, but I didn't know what the intention was. Okay. I had no idea. So I was like, trying to balance it and trying to, at certain times, trying to like, even like dumb it down because I didn't want it because I don't, you know, yeah. I just want to be normal. I want to be like everybody else. I want to do all this other stuff. I don't, I don't want to be different. I don't want to go to this school. I don't want to yeah. be. And it really would have helped if we had conversation around why you're exposing me. I like that. I like that. All right. That's actually going to lead me to my next question anywho though, but I, I like that because, um, uh, the conversational piece, uh, I know uh, my brother said something to me maybe about maybe about three or four months ago, and he just said, Tyrell, the difference a lot with a lot of it is comprehension. It's like some of us are having the same conversations, but we comprehend totally different. So, you know what I mean? So I, I, I love where you just said, you know, first you got to have the conversation, but when you're having a conversation, you got to be able to understand what the conversation is going, what's happening in this conversation, so... That's so true. That's true. And maybe that means if when we're talking about a comprehension thing, right, then maybe it's not having one conversation, but it's having mm -hmm. consistent conversation, right? Like these are the reasons that I'm exposing you to these things. And maybe I'll tell you today why. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll tell you again next week and I'll tell you in a different way. Mm -hmm. Right? Or maybe I start to challenge your critical thinking skills and ask you, like, oh, like I took my kids to the, you know, I make them go to everything because mm. here's my perspective. I told them you will try everything at least once. Now, my son will test me and say, eat the bad things. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm not co-signing you doing no nonsense. 
<laughs> you know that that is not happening. You will try everything. And then you, and the reason I do that, but I explain it to them because he's like, Mom, I'm not interested in going to the opera. I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? You've never been to an opera. So we went to an opera. And the first opera we went to was, was there was a black male and woman lead. Because I always want to put them in places where you see us in doing things differently, right? And so that you can really receive it. Whether you like it or not, you can at least connect. And so then afterwards, he was like, I think that was really dope that that man was singing like that, but I don't like it. (laughs) And I was like, okay. You never have to go to another opera again, right? But then I asked him, what did you learn? What was your experience? Whether you liked it or not, what was your experience? He was like, well, it just really made me think about the fact that we can do whatever we want. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so then you got something. So then the exposure becomes a conversation that he's having, that he's thinking critically about, right? Instead of me always being the person to have the conversation with my children and make it more like lecture, right? It's engaging them in the conversation, helping them understand the exposure that they're getting and why it's a gift. I like that. I like it. I like it. Uh, And I actually don't really even need to ask you this next question, but I'm going to ask it anywho, because... Uh, just uh, earlier, you alluded to living in uh, eight different states, and you also said that you uh, uh, you have uh, allowed yourself to try different uh, different avenues of different careers. And I think having flexibility is very important. I think being creative is very important, which is going to lead me to uh, this question. Uh, 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 Miss Transition Coach, uh, uh, do you give yourself permission to uh, in space to change? And why is that important for you, Shar? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely have permission and space to change. I think that's important for a couple of reasons, right? Because, so the name of my business, Unpause Your Dream, right? It's all about living your dreams. Because when we were children, we had some pretty big dreams, whatever that was. You could have wanted to be like a singer and a this and a dancer and a doctor and an attorney. You had like five things you wanted to be. Somewhere in life, the world told you you couldn't either be all of them or you shouldn't be any of them. And you changed your dream. Um, But what I've learned is that we have seasons of life. So the dream even changes through seasons, right? So at one point in time, I was very interested in the stock market and I became a licensed trader, right? Now, it doesn't say that I'm no longer interested in it. I'm interested in it, but at a different degree. Like I do it for myself now. That's not something that I would enjoy or find fulfillment in being my career. So I absolutely give myself to change um, the opportunity and space to change because I'm always growing. And as I grow and evolve and have more experience and more exposure, I realize and learn new things about myself. And I'm always in a place of trying to be in alignment. Right. So am I aligned with what lights me up? If it no longer lights me up, I'm like, okay, the season for that is done. Let's move on. What's next? And I go into whatever's next and just open myself to to receive it. Nice. Nice. Uh, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, being a person who's a scaredy cat, because, you know, uh, you a scaredy cat. I'm a, I'm, I'm a scaredy cat. I am all, I am, I have always ventured out to do my own projects, whether it's the back community, whether it was running a model, my mentoring program for nine years, but I've always kept the, 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 uh, the foundation 
of uh, of my income coming in. It was never okay. through uh, anything. So you know, I've worked at my job now for the last it'd be 15 years now. I've been with the federal government, but uh, wow. you know, yeah. So I I do whatever I do outside of work. Uh, and then, you know, and uh, that continues to develop. But like I said, that's why uh, uh, my hats are off to those who decide to put all of it in one basket, because obviously the, the risk is more, but the reward is greater too, right? The reward the, uh, is greater. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I mean, I think the risk is more, the reward is more, but I also have to say there's there's something to be said about consistency and stick to itness that it takes mm. to be one thing for 15 years right mm. because immediately you said 15 years and that part of me that likes change and embraces it is like <laughs> 15 years in one thing no right <laughs> that's how I reacted but the other part of me is like even spending 15 years in something, you still have seasons, right? You still have seasons that you're growing, that you're changing. Maybe in this five-year span, you're really learning about people and how you connect and you're paying attention to them and, and doing those different things. Maybe in the next five years, it's about setting yourself up for success and how do I grow my career? How do I align things in the way that's going to take me to the next level? Mm -hmm. It can still be seasonal, even yeah. if you're not a person that has to, that is open to or even excited about drastic change like me. So I, I wanna mm -hmm. make sure that we say that because there are people that are like, okay, I've been doing the same thing for 15 years. How do I embrace change? Mm -hmm. You can have change in that role in the season and still be in the same position. Hear I agree. That. That's important. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and that's the absolute truth because, you know, uh, with being, uh, I, I think, how you just had that initial reaction. That was my initial reaction when I first started working there. I remember coming in and people were like, it's like, yeah, I've been working here for 30 years. I'm like, that won't be me. So, <laughs> like, uh, uh, I remember my first couple of days, it's like, oh, that won't be me. And then before you know it, it's like, it's been, it's, it's been 15 years. And, and even now uh, uh, my roles, my positions change, you know, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a great uh, evolution. So I, I like that you just, uh, I took that out of it to make sure that we highlight that too, because even if you're in the same space, doesn't mean that it's still not a season. And I, I think you captured that very well because it is the, 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 the goal, the thought is to, whether it is mentally, whether it is physically that you're evolving, you know what I mean? Always. That it's not, yeah. Always. Right. Always evolving. And you don't have to necessarily change your location or your space to do that. Right. You can evolve That's where you're at. Facts, facts. Uh, I, now, um, you made me think about uh, uh, um, the fact that I also know that you're evolving as a person. Uh, uh, you are growing. You actually just launched it, like I said, Unpause Your Dreams. But also in 2022 was something else uh, that you launched, which is really, really big and, and, and near and dear uh, to me because it, it highlights the Capital District. So in 2022 uh, is the inaugural year for the Unpause Your Dream Scholarship Fund. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, how that brainchild came to be? Um, yeah, can you tell us more about that one, Char? Yes, yeah, so I'm so excited about the Unpause Your Dream Scholarship Fund. 
So it's, this is the inaugural year. So applications are open now. You can find them on the website, unpauseyourdreams.com, and they're being accepted to February 4th. And so the winner of the Unpause Your Dream Scholarship, it's a $1,000 um, scholarship per semester for your first four semesters. So, and it's for anyone that is going to be, that lives in the Capital District in specific zip codes. And why are those specific zip codes, right? Because this is my first year doing it and I wanted to give back first to the, the zip codes that made me, right? This mm -hmm. is where I come from. These are my stomping grounds. So I wanted to have my first bit of impact there. And so, um, but it gives you $1,000 per semester for the first four semesters, as long as you're enrolled full-time in a college or a career school, right? Because I don't want to forget about careers. Um, people, people will say, okay, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, but there's an awful lot to be said about getting you a career. If you want to be a plumber or a welder or yep. whatever, there's a lot of money and a good life to be made there too. And the reason that I wanted to do this is because I really truly believe that education is the first level of exposure that opens us up to the world and creates change. And if you go away to college or even if you stay locally, you know, when yep. I started going to Hudson Valley, like not long after I had my baby, first of all, never went to Troy. <laughs> never went to Troy. <laughs> so just going to Troy every day was a whole different thing, but I met people from different places, from different mm -hmm. backgrounds, and it really started to expand my mind in a way that had not been ever before. So mm -hmm. I want to be able to give or help pay it forward and help young people do that as well. And then um, why a scholarship is because college is incredibly expensive. And yes. one thing that we don't know, especially if you're first generation college student, is that Going into debt for college and ha coming out of college, you know, they say like the average student loan debt is, is it was at one point like 25,000. It's now mm -hmm. almost 50,000. Mm -hmm. um, why do you want to do that to yourself? Yep. Right? Because that interest compounds daily. Mm -hmm. Right? And so you're going to owe money and you, there's no guarantee that you even get a good enough job to start paying it immediately. You know how many people are in forbearance? But okay, I'm getting ready to go down a whole different. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's good. Go ahead, stay. <laughs> right, but if there if it's possible for you to go to college and pay very pay very little or take very little loans and and go into debt, then you should be doing that. So some people may think, oh, it's only $1,000. Well, my tuition is going to be so much more than that. Well, great. Apply for all the $1,000 scholarships that you can. Because here's the thing. Nobody ever said you can't get multiple. Yep. As many as you can. When you hear people, oh, so-and-so got $1 million in scholarships, it was not one scholarship. <laughs> it was not. So apply for as many as you can. And try to do yourself the favor of going to college, getting the education, get the exposure, give yourself the opportunity, but leave the day. I, Liz, you could not have said that uh, uh, any better. Uh, and uh, uh, before, uh, before I respond to that, where could people uh, uh, find this scholarship at again? Where, uh, where are they able to get the application from? Um, you can go to my website, unpauseyourdreams.com. You can either click on the scholarship or you can just scroll down the page and, and the scholarship is down there. You can apply right there. You will need to submit um, 
your transcript. So need to have a report card because you should have a 3.0 G, uh, GPA at least. And you'll need to have two letters of recommendation. So from teachers, from mentors, from counselors, anyone that can support the fact that you are up to great things and, and has great things to say about you, you'll want to submit that as well. Nice. And I, one, I'm glad that you set standards, but two, um, um, uh, you did uh, you did hone in on the importance of actually uh, applying for multiple scholarships. One thing uh, that I learned uh, through uh, a reading uh, Anthony O'Neill's debt-free degree was that exactly what you just said, the importance of applying for multiple scholarships. It was like so many times we overlook the smaller scholarships because we're so, uh, we're so worried or focused in on just this one big win. Oh, this one's 25,000. But if you apply for, I mean, the, your probability of getting the smaller scholarships are a lot higher than, it, uh, than they are to, uh, to win those larger ones. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to apply. Uh, you can't go for both, uh, as you said. And realizing that school is super expensive. And super for a expensive. lot of schools, yeah, and for a lot of schools, it's for no reason other than the, the name of the school. So I love the space where we are uh, as a culture right now. One, uh, 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 looking at debt, uh, uh, looking at investments, because a lot of people mistake, uh, uh, a lot of people don't account student loan debt as debt until you get older and realize that it's actually debt. Because, because look I at, think a lot of people don't think they're actually ever going to pay it off. Mm, that could be I, it too. <laughs> I think that's it, right? Because think about it. So one of the, in one of my seasons, right, I was the campus director of a career college. Um, loved education. I've always loved education. One challenge that I had in it is that lots of career colleges purposely target yep. lower socioeconomic groups, first-time college students, right? And then they charge them these exorbitant amounts for a degree. So like you think about like the Everest colleges of the day. I work there too. Yep. Um, they were charging people like $45,000 for an associate's degree. Mm -hmm. An associate's degree in like business, which yep. really, and I'm not saying this to diminish anything, but it doesn't, getting an associate's degree in business doesn't qualify you to go out and make $50,000. Mm. But you're paying $45,000 for this degree. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, and that was just the associate. So if they were going to continue on and get a bachelor's or get a master's, and you're talking about people who are potentially going to be $100,000 in debt. Yep. yep. Right? Yep. Potentially $100,000 in debt. I mean, nobody has those kind of numbers or is thinking about those kind of numbers of debt unless they're a homeowner. Yep. So is the average person that comes out of college having not known this is going to be, you know, what I'm up to after college and then getting disappointed? I can't get the job that pays what I thought I was going to make. Are they really anticipating paying off that debt or are they just putting it in forbearance and putting it in forbearance and putting it in forbearance? Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. I, and I, I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's been it's been a thing until now, where yes. where like at one point in time, a person will look at uh, 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 a two year school and be like, oh, you know, you didn't really go to school. My whole my whole um, my whole approach, my whole uh, speech or vernacular on 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 trying to help people to uh, to go to school has changed. Uh, now I'm like, listen. We're going to look at the schools that are actually offering you money. 
Because two, you don't want to get out of school and have this huge amount of debt tied to you because ultimately that strangles uh, uh, your creativity, your future, because now you got to get a job to go ahead and pay off all of this debt that you owe. And then it's like, you might not give yourself time to just fall into the position or the career that you actually want to do. You know, so right now I, I highly uh, tell everybody that I still work with, you know, I still work with a lot of kids here in my neighborhood through my fraternity uh, and through uh, uh, Posse DC uh, here as well. And like, no, we're going to look for the schools that are actually offering you money. We're going to be able to leave those emotional deals on the table and be like, yeah, I, oh, I know you wanted to go to this school because you heard it was such a great school, but uh, are they offering you any money, right? And so that that way, when you get out of school, and you want to go ahead and, and, and pursue the American dream. You know what I mean? You don't have this, uh, you don't have this big weight uh, around you that's holding you back or that's uh, making you go uh, uh, get a particular job just to pay that debt off, so. Yeah, that, I mean, that's so important. When I worked, um, I worked for US Bank here in Charlotte and we had a program where we were actually picking um, rising seniors from the local Charlotte community and exposing them to non-traditional roles in banking, right? Because most people think banks, they think of tellers, right? But really only 30% of the bank is tellers. And so in that, we would also walk them through a series of, we called them small banking institutes, summer banking institute talks, but they were like TED talks. But we did one all on financing college, right? Mm. And like the cost of college. And it was, I thought it was the best thing that we, that we could give to rising seniors because we had a lot of students and all of our students were black and brown, right? Because we partnered with the Urban League um, to make sure that we were exposing those that would not ordinarily have the exposure, even though they're in the Charlotte area. But what I thought was incredible is you had people. So one of the girls that I mentored, she really wanted to go to Hampton, mm. right? But when we sat out after doing the talk and looking at college finances and really understanding like the interest and how much it was going to cost and what the monthly breakdown on that payment would be after they got out of college, she sat down and she was like, okay, so if I go to Hampton, I'm getting loans for $27,000 a year times four years, <laughs> right? And so then it was like within Winston-Salem State, and offered her like some great package. Yep. And she's like, well, I really didn't want to go to Winston-Salem State, but I really don't want that debt. And I really don't want the payment that you guys told me I'm going to have on a $100,000 student loan debt. Right. And it was phenomenal just to be able to give them that education so that they can make decisions, right? Mm. Because if you have all of this debt, like you said, it stifles your creativity. It mm. does so many things. If and, and I mean, it's easy to ignore. Right? Because there are people that can just put things yeah. in the back of their mind. But if you're growing, if you're evolving, right, you are considering all of those things and you know that is something that you will have to tackle eventually. Yeah. And if you decide to put it to the back of your mind for the first five or 10 years, because you're in forbearance, understand that that five or 10 years, you would gain an interest daily. Mm -hmm. So while you chose to do nothing, you're now, you know, now 15. $16,000 more in debt, <laughs> you know, it's not doing anything. So I hope that with the Unpause Your Dream scholarship, that it will really be able to help. And one, one component of the scholarship that I haven't really talked about yet um, is that that student will also have the opportunity to be mentored 
by me um, throughout their college um, career. And I think that's incredibly important. I've been a mentor for college students. I'm a mentor here on the Charlotte um, Housing Authority Scholarship Fund. I've been doing that for three years, have a mentor that's in college there. Also did it through the bank and and do it through when I was on the board of National Black MBA here in Charlotte. So I think it's important to have someone plugged in in the community that's done the thing, right? So that they can help you navigate. Because college isn't about just money. It's it's about learning the social skills, like dealing with difficult professors, like figuring all of that out, right? Outside of just money. So I'm really excited about this scholarship fund. And I can't wait to see all the applicants come in and and, um, get to sit down and talk with them and make a decision. Yeah, and and like you said, just having the opportunity to uh, be able to work with you is... Uh, um, I think sometimes we don't know how to calculate that well, because if something doesn't give you a dollar, a monetary amount up front, I think that we overlook the, its actual value. Like being able to be mentored by somebody who's going to help you to navigate and make the transition as you are as a transition coach, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to save you so much time, experience, heartache, and actually allow you to go after what it is that you want without having to make some of the decisions, uh, you know, you can learn vicariously through the experiences of others. And I think that, that coaching is, is, is important, you know, is, is, and mentors are, are uh, you know, mentoring is near and dear to my heart. So, you know, just to hear you say that, you know, I hope those that apply for the scholarship realize the, the extra added value of just by you being able to help them to navigate uh, their matriculation through uh, whatever school that, that they're in is going to be huge. And we need to put more value on internships and mentorship because you might not get any money for it, but you know, that firsthand experience that you get from somebody else is really going to be life-changing. It is. And you and I know this now because we're, we're doing the work of growing and evolving, right? But having a mentor is invaluable. And it's not just, you know, because you're a student that's transitioning into college, it's everything, right? I have mentors now because there are places, places that I want to go in life I haven't been yet. (laughs) So obviously I can get there and I can figure it out on trial and error, but having someone in my corner that really can pour into me in that way or guide me or give me that advice, that is incredible. And it's, it's something I can't stress enough wherever you're at in life, get a mentor, get a coach, get somebody in your corner that is is focused on you and helping you get to the next level. Okay, okay. All right, I actually wanna ask you this question uh, in relation to that, um, because we're talking about uh, 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 helping other people. But um, mm-hmm. if, there was, if there was one, if there was one thing that you would, that you could say to a young person to help them to avoid making a mistake that maybe you've seen, whether in yourself or for somebody else, what advice would you give to, uh, uh, to, uh, to young adults today uh, that you wish someone would have said to you? Ooh, that's a big question. I only get to give them one piece. <laughs> only one, one only one. Only one? Um, only one. I guess if I could only give them one, 
I would say your life is so much more than wherever you're at right now. Mm. Right. And what I mean by that is it, it doesn't matter how hard things are right now. Doesn't matter even how good things are right now. You have the ability and opportunity to choose whatever you want. And a series of good choices will lead down the path that you want. So wherever you're at right now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You either continue to make good choices and continue going down that path, or if you were on a path where you felt like choices were made for you and you didn't really have any opportunity, you do have the opportunity to make change choices that align with what you want to be later. I love that. I love and look, look, and you were over there focusing on only giving one. If there that was, was a hard one because be I wanted to get. <laughs> if there was one to be given, that was it. That was it right there. You know what I mean? But you know, when you say one, I'm like, oh man, there's so many things yeah. I would say to the young char. I'd say, wow, I got a whole list. Mm. <laughs> right? But if I can only give one, I, I would give that one, right? Because you know how it is. When we were young, yeah. we felt like that moment was the moment, yeah. right? Like, and it's not. Nope. It's nope. not. Nope. <laughs> And you nope. know what? That's not even for young people. That's even for us. This is yeah. not the moment for Shar. It is yeah. a moment, yeah. but it's not the moment. Yeah. And, and, and I love it because, uh, um, especially for young adults, we think like uh, uh, we're focused more on, uh, I'm not saying where, because I'm about to be 40 uh, uh, pretty soon. So I'm saying, I am okay. Uh, 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 not being young, you know. Uh, listen, I, I look at something the wrong way right now, Char, and it start hurting. So it's fine, you know. Nope, I am not there right now. I, to to, to grow to this, need you to reject that because those of us that are forty ish are not trying to hear that. Okay. Hey, hey listen, nope, nope. Listen, it's a blessing. I seen someone post uh, yesterday. He just saying, you know, I'm gonna celebrate, and I think he just turned thirty three. He said, I'm gonna celebrate because so many of my friends didn't make it here. So oh, I, I'm celebrating this. Uh, That's true. But yeah. That's true. Uh, but you're still not old. Please, please. Let's change the language around that for me. <laughs> just, just for me. I got and, you. And for lots of other people that don't want to ascribe to this whole thing. Listen, we are getting better. We're not old. But that's but but that, but that's a, that's that's a great thing. And it, what I was about to say was that you know our younger versions of ourselves, if we made a mistake we thought that that mistake had to define us. We thought that that mistake was, was, was everything about it. Like a lot of people will see Tyrell today, but may not realize that the Tyrell that was running the streets would always be. You might not realize the Tyrell that was kicked out of high school. You might not realize all of these different things about Tyrell. You might see uh, this, this season of Tyrell and be like, wow, you know, but it's been a lot of work. Uh, to not just stay at those experiences and come from out of it, you know, because that's, it was just a season. It's a season, but what you do with the experience will make it worse or better. So, you know, and that's, I, I really love what you said because, you know, we have to realize that, you know, uh, whatever the experiences that we're going through right now, whether it's good, you mentioned both, it could be positive or it can be negative, but just realize, you know, that that's, that's a season. So, you know I me mean? as uh, Michelle Obama would say, don't get too high with the highs, don't get too low with the lows. Oh, so, yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. It's a season. And it's just about your choices, right? Because people, you are so right. You know, I remember when I was um, running the career college, I would have students say, Miss Ridley, you don't understand. You don't know where I come from. You ain't been in my life. And I'd be like, hmm, mm. how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know? Because I see you. You've never had to struggle a day in your life. No, you can't make an assumption on somebody's season where you see them at now and assume that you know the whole story. You don't. Because to your point, all of the things that we've been through, you know, I walked across the stage pregnant. Society mm. said that I was supposed to be a teen parent, which means I was supposed to be struggling. I was supposed mm. to, you know, not have gone on to get my master's degree. So many different things, right? But it's a series of choices. And there were times that I believed what they said, and I believed that I was the sum of whatever decision that I had made that, that didn't lead to where I wanted it to be, right? I did believe that. But then I gradually and slowly made a different decision, chose differently, right? And after doing that for a while, one, you build confidence in yourself, right? When you start to make better decisions repetitively, you, yeah. you build confidence. And then you start to trust yourself that no matter what comes up, good or bad, I can handle it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. I like it. Uh, and I, I like how you keep bringing it, you know, that some of it's good, some of it's bad. Uh, because, you know, in life, you're going to have ups and downs. So, yeah. but how you respond to those things, like I said before, will make it negative or positive. Um, and also in the capital district area, uh, uh, one of the things, it's, it's actually nationwide too. So, you know, I stay up on Charlotte too. So, but gun violence is huge. Uh, 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 I think it's a, I know we're in a global pandemic with COVID right now, but I wanna say uh, in our country, uh, gun violence is uh, uh, um, uh, at alarmingly high uh, uh, numbers right now too. And I, I think the mayor said it when I had her on there too, she said, Overall violence uh, tie is down, but gun violence is 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 up. So my next question is uh, because uh, coming from the capital district, that is something that uh, we're often played with and we see. But um, uh, for some of us, you know, but uh, how has gun a uh, gun violence impacted you? So. I could say that I'm fortunate that I'm not as impacted as others, but that would not really be 100% true. I've been gone from the Capital District in terms of living there for 25 years. Hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm not impacted because it's impacted my family. It's impacted yeah. friends that I grew up with. Um, and sometimes... I'm shocked because I'll say like, I'll say, I'll run into somebody, I'll be back home and I'll run into somebody that I haven't seen in a long time. And I'll ask about somebody else, right? And they'll say, oh, that person got shot or was killed. And, and, and it always, I'm so shocked because every single time it doesn't matter if I haven't seen that person in 20 years, it doesn't matter if I haven't seen them in 15 years, it's, it, there's an impact, right? Of knowing that that's how that person's life ended. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. It's, it's really hard. And then just 
having friends in the area and, and knowing how concerned they are for their children. One of my best friends now is building a house down here, but they are like, with all that's been going on, they're like, we need to hurry up and go. Like the house has been delayed and stuff. And they're like, we need to get out of here. We need to get out of here because it's getting worse. And just feeling that level of terror and talking to her and being concerned because her son is my godson. Right. And knowing that people are, are, are living with with that overarching fear that, you know, my kid can go outside and not come back. It's a lot. I agree. Lot. I agree. And, and it's a lot physically. It's a lot mentally. It's a lot socially, uh, especially when uh, it becomes normalized. And, you know, that's my greatest fear. You know, what I mean, uh, 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 how how much how much death has become normalized uh, 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 for us? They're desensitized towards it. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, you you see it every day. And, you know, I, I'm going to go out on the limb. I say this all the time, Char. I say, listen, we we play games like like Call of Duty and all these different types of shooting games that makes it look so real and that, oh, I can do this. And just it's nothing to shoot someone in the head. But it's just like, you know, even driving, people playing Grand Theft Auto, and now they want to get out of the car and feel like, you know, I can whip and turn how I want to, you know, but it's real life consequences that comes with a lot of this stuff. And it's not just a game that you can reset. So, you know, learning how to deal in an environment where you see that readily, you know what I mean? Because ultimately we're impacted by it uh, and it affects us. It affects how we move. It affects how we interact with others. And, you know, uh, it, it even it, affects how our family feel about us. Like when I, whenever mm -hmm. I go to Albany, my oldest is always concerned, right? Because mm -hmm. We, I mean, bullets really don't have names on them, right? You know, we've heard the story of, of a stray bullet hitting someone that was completely uninvolved. And, and so the fact that she has to feel that stress when I go, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot because, especially because, you know, we have, we've left, we've moved out of the inner city. Like we, we're not often in those situations where we feel like, life is our life could be threatened but to yeah. go home and i'm gonna go home right i'm gonna go home i'm gonna visit it, it it's a different thing yeah. it's a different thing i wish i mean i know that people are hurting and i mean people have been hurting for a long time but it's interesting because um my nephew once said to me the only options in me for for me in life were to be um dead or incarcerated and I cried yeah and I was like do you believe that and he was like yes and I was like but it's not nope not right it's not and I think to your point with Grand Theft Auto and all these other these games like people oftentimes thought I was really drastic in my parenting style and stuff but I'm, I needed to break some generational curses right and, and get rid of some things so my children weren't allowed to play violent video games right mm -hmm. I don't want you being desensitized to anything right I, I want death to have the sting that it is supposed to have if it's violent right like you should feel that I don't care if it's on TV I don't care what it is, but thinking about young people growing up in an environment where you really believe mm. you only have two choices, yeah. death or incarceration, it's sad. That means that's an entire community that doesn't have any hope. Mm. 
And so I feel like it's our responsibility. Those of us that know that hope is real, right? Yeah. It's our responsibility to pour back in, to Thank give, you. because the only thing that can change that is having hope. Because if you really believe I'm only going to, you know, I can only go to jail or get killed, then it's nothing to kill somebody else because then at least you end up in jail, but you're not dead. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Think about yeah. the thought process here. And if you don't have any hope outside of those things, then you're going to make different decisions. You're going to move differently. And so I really think we need to pour in and help people know that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what life has been for you up until this moment. Every moment, you don't need a New Year's. I said this in Clubhouse last night. You don't need a New Year's resolution to be able to have the opportunity to change. You can change right now because you have the power to do so and because you said so. That's it. That's it. And guess what? Everybody else don't have to get it. Because when I left Albany, they didn't get it. Yep. <laughs> they didn't get it. But I had to go take care of me and figure me out and decide what I wanted for my life. Hmm. That was it. Okay. okay. All right. Listen, man, I got about three more questions for you. Uh, <laughs> You know, I I, I don't, I don't want to keep you for forever, but um, uh, I, it seems like I could probably talk to you for forever. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make sure these, uh, these next three ones uh, uh count. Um, okay. first one, please tell us more about winning the day. I know that you are a regular on Clubhouse. Uh, I know we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, I, I actually got a chance to to sit in on my first uh session of uh, a winning the day with you and uh, is it uh, uh Al? Yeah, yep. uh, Al, Alfonso Meadows. So, He's also from Albany. Yep. Yep. So, so please tell, uh, uh, tell, uh, tell, uh, tell us more about uh, winning the day, uh, how to find you on Clubhouse, and what's the overall vision uh, uh, for your series uh, uh, on Clubhouse. Okay. So, winning the day is something I'm super passionate about. So, actually, Alfonso and I started it um, last January. We did. We did about 68 clubhouses before we decided we needed to take a break. So we take we took a break for a little while. We are just back. We are on Clubhouse Monday nights at 8 p.m. and on Thursdays at 12 p.m. It's a one-hour room and it is all about tips and strategies and tools to help you win the day. And our thought is, right, if you can win the day, then you can win the week. You can win the yes. week and you can win the month and you can win the, win the month, win the year. So I really love the space because it's, it's all of the things that we should be talking about in terms of elevating and evolving and growth, but being real with those things, right? Because he and I are the ones that talk. People can come up to the stage and share whatever comes up for them, whatever tools or tips or strategies they have. But it's all about building your toolbox and getting things that you need um, to help you achieve what it is you want to achieve in life. Because winning looks different for all of us, right? Some people want to win financially. They want to be, you know, billionaires. Some people just want to win in relationships, right? And they're not so concerned about the financial aspect. Whatever it is for you, the tips, tools, and strategies will help you win. I love that. What do you think that. of our of your your first one that you got to join? Uh, uh, um, listen, uh, I didn't know. It, it, it is it's always different when uh, when you're in a space where you can't see uh, faces, so you can only hear the words, right? So it's like <laughs> uh, I don't know. But uh, at one point, you guys have started talking about prayer and what oh, prayer yes. uh, means to different people, and I'm just like, you know, 
there's certain topics that, you know, I tend to stay away from sometimes. Some of it is, you know, religion, politics, and I can't think of what the other one may be, but it's, it's, it's those. So, but just to see you guys uh, have a spirited conversation about it and it wasn't attacking, it was just like, you know, well, here's a perspective that works for me. Here's a perspective that works for me, you know, I thought uh, uh, what you guys did in that uh, uh, in that uh, 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 in that space uh, with that topic was was great because one it, it is about respecting that you know what works for you, Shar, might not work for me, but you exactly. know I might learn something that you are able to to say to me, and I can vicariously learn through your experience and be like, oh, I never thought about that. So we should be challenging each other on our perspectives, and we should be respectful of it, and that's what I witnessed last night. Uh, 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 checking you guys out on winning the day. So shout out to you guys for that. So that was my first experience. You know, it's funny that you say that because we definitely have spirited conversations. Nothing is off limits for us, right? Because <laughs> nothing at all. We don't have off limits because we believe that as we grow and evolve and as we are adults, right, we should be able to talk about anything and say, we either come in agreement to disagree or we come in agreement that you believe that and I, I accept that you believe that it's different to what I believe or or maybe it changes because last year <laughs> I was totally he had this opinion that you just decide things and you just do it and I was like well there's other considerations maybe you decide you want to be this but you don't know how and you have to do some mindset work and and then this year I'm like hmm no, no. I think that you just need to decide. So yeah, we have spirited conversations, but it's always, always, always very respectful. And sometimes it does change. You know, I did last year, I did a series of breath work because I'm really big into breath work. And at mm. first he was like, I don't know if I'm gonna get this shower. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And, but we'll keep doing it and see what people think. And then the feedback that we got from people in the room and even you know, Alfonso at a time where was like, okay, breath work is something I would have never thought that I would be into, but mm. it works. So it's just and, and what is breath work? Uh, what is breath work? I, I don't I don't really know, but this is the perfect time to go ahead and educate me <laughs> and uh, everyone else. Okay, so breath work. So what has come to realize is that 80% of the population actually holds their breath as a response to stress. And we do it so often we don't even realize it. So breath work is, there's, there's a bunch of breath exercises that you can do, but it's the conscious activity of breathing and feeling the flow of breath in, in, into and out of your lungs, right? And it actually grounds you, recenters you in the moment, but it opens you up in a different way. So um, one of the most common ones is called a 578, right? And that one's a very quick one where you would um, inhale, counting to five, right? You would hold it to seven, and then you would exhale to eight. So it mm. grounds you. So you center, you taking everything in and you're really doing deep inhales because even if we're not holding our breath, we are not inhaling the way that we should be. But when you do, it slows things down, creates clarity, it grounds you, it helped you with decision-making, it helped you with anxiety, so many different things. I like so, that. I like that. So I love, love, love breath work. And as you get into it, you can do more extensive. But in the winning the day room, we used to, I used to always do like a short breath work practice. 
um, okay. to teach people new things, just to add tools to your toolbox. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, we'd have people get on stage and say, I don't know about this breath work. Then they come back. Mm-hmm. One in particular came back and said, I really didn't understand breath work until I was on a plane recently. And mm-hmm. it was turbulent and it was awful. And all of a sudden I found myself doing a five, seven, eight without thinking about it because we had been doing it in the room every well, at that time we did daily rooms. Yep. Well, we did three times a week. But yeah, breath work, I am so big on it. Practice it. You should start. Just try it and see what, what comes up for you because we have I already it. practiced it. I, I, I never knew it was a term for it. Because, <laughs> okay. You know, so, so I battle with anxiety, right? But one of the things I learned uh, in 2009, I was getting ready to have my first kid. And, uh, you know, I, I was running model. Uh, I had all types of things going on. I was running. I had my regular job. You know, I had my job for 15 years. So, uh, but I had a lot going on and I'm trying to do too much. And it was the first time that I had actually slowed my life down. I had gotten into a serious relationship at that time. So I'm not ripping and running and chasing it all over the place. And my body started to just sit. Uh, But one of those things that happened to me uh, in that transition was, you know, I started to have anxiety attacks. And in that, you know, my mom was able to help coach me through that because that was also something that she had experienced at one point. And she had told me, the power of breathing. And when she said it, I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. And people I'm just always like, do because people are like, I know how to breathe. What do you mean? Don't yeah, nobody tell like, me to breathe. I'm over here thinking I'm dying, woman. And you over here talking about breathing. I'm just like, you know, but I tried it. No lie, shower. And maybe about a week, it changed everything from me. So from 2009 until now, it's just like, you know, I can feel it when it's coming on. I, I can feel the anxiousness. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't know that that, that existed. But, uh, you know, now, you know, when, when I can feel it, you can go ahead and take a step back. And sometimes even with just regular speaking, uh, sometimes I have to go ahead and, and control how I speak. So I'll go ahead and give myself an, uh, an extra or an added uh, a breath or two and just slow myself down. I do a lot of speaking engagements and want to make sure I get it right. And it comes out authentic. So, you know, when you just said it, I didn't know it was a term for uh, yeah. uh, for it. But because yeah, I said, oh, no. Really expensive in breath work. Like when I went on a retreat this summer, I did an hour long breath work um, workshop and it was amazing. I mean, like they had all these different techniques and different things, but there's so much release in breath right? We just don't, we don't think about it. And I am one of the 80%. When I first started doing a lot of the work of transformation, I wondered why they would say to me, breathe. I'd be like, I am breathing. And they'd be like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I had gotten so accustomed to, I legit can walk through the whole world and hold my breath for a long time with, and do it subconsciously, right? Like not even thinking about it, but that's a trigger for me when something's not balance when when I'm not in alignment or I'm nervous or something or maybe there's something that comes up in my you know life that feels like it's something similar or something from my past that I maybe haven't reconciled do you know mm-hmm. what I mean there's all of these things and so just having quick exercises mm-hmm. to be able to do 
to recenter myself, to ground myself is so important. But I get it because in the beginning, when I heard it, I was like, that's work. That's so stupid. <laughs> I was like, I know how to breathe. I don't Listen, need I wanted to leave her house as soon as she said it. I said, I can't believe I came here for some advice. And that's what you gave me. I'm but it was the best advice ever. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And especially, you know what? I'm glad that you mentioned anxiety because so many of us have anxiety now, but we don't, we don't know what it is, right? Because I have anxiety as well, but I think I've had it my entire life. I just yeah. didn't know what it was, right? Like, and it can be little things like don't call my phone without texting me because mm -hmm. I get anxious. Right. And I get anxious because I don't know what you need. I don't know what you want. But there's also a small yep. portion of me that is expecting something to not be okay. Yep. Right. And so those are little things. And people have memes about them like, I'm that person, don't call my phone or this, that, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it kind of minimizes it. But that is an anxious trait. Right. That's yep. like, okay. And so many of us have that, but we don't know the tips, the tools, the strategies. To yep. be able to handle it and sometimes it's so simple it's breathing mm -hmm. right so here you are feeling like you're gonna die and your mom's like breathe and you're like i'm over here dying <laughs> it's coming from everywhere i said i listen i don't know what you're talking about it's coming from everywhere i couldn't get on plane it was just like i'm like yep. man i said ma you know and at the time i was going back and forth from san diego to, to albany all of the time um and i'm just like but it was as simple as breathing. And, you know, I say that, you know, uh, I, I talked to one of my nieces uh, about it right now. She uh, she has bouts with it too. And she was like, well, like Ty, I would never notice that about you or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, because we all go through something. Now, how we battle with it or how we deal with it, how we cope with it matters. What type of strategies we learn about it matters. And it's just a matter of understanding that. It's just like, yo, okay, so. Oh, this this is it. Oh, I'm dyslexic, or this is oh, okay. Well, how do I work around that? It's not gonna stop me. So it's just a matter of me. being able to do that. Yeah. What's the yep. tool and the strategy to pass it? And it's so interesting because you said something earlier about you and being a scaredy cat. And I was like, huh, that's crazy. I've known you forever. Would have never thought that. Yeah. But we all have something, some internal something that people mm -hmm. don't necessarily know. Because here's the reality: when we show up every day. In whatever capacity we show up, people make assumptions that yeah. we've got it all together, we're this, we're that. I assure you, I have it more together than I have had it in other areas and other seasons of life, but I do not have it all yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. and I don't want anyone to ever believe that I have it all together. I don't. There are still things that I struggle with, you know, and still things that I work through. But I'm always actively seeking tools and tips and strategies that will help me come into mastery in those places of life. That's it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Listen, well, here is part of my, um, I think I had two more questions for you. Um, I, I did get a question uh, uh, when I posted your information online and someone wanted to make sure that uh, I gave you this question. So I'm going to read it to you from off of our Instagram page. Um, uh, it says, sounds interesting. Please ask Ms. Ridley, uh, how can one personally identify when your dream is on pause? I often wonder if I'm really living my dream. Thanks. I'm looking forward to watching. 
I saw that question. So I'm really, so that's a really good question. I have to say this. I don't think that your dream or your purpose are singular, right? I don't think you have one. I think that you have many. So when you're talking about identifying whether or not your dream is on pause, let's first start with the area of life that you're looking at. Is it your dream relationship? Is it your dream career? Is it your dream community, right? Like what, which area are you looking at? And let's narrow it down because then it makes it easier to focus on, easier to process through and whatever actions you need to take in that area, easier to digest. So start there. Then ask yourself, based on where you are currently and what you've done, like let's say in the past year, in let's take your career, right? So if you're saying, is my career on pause, my dream for my career on pause, let's look at what you've done in the past year. How often did you feel like you were in that place of bliss, right? Because I believe that we were all created to, that life is supposed to be enjoyable. We've received messaging that it's not supposed to be, that you have to grind, that it's this, it's that. I don't believe that, right? Because I don't believe that the creator, I, I call him God, you call mm -hmm. whoever you call, but I don't believe that God would put desires in your heart and then make them these things that you had to mm -hmm. grind to, to achieve, right? So look at that area of your career and say, how often am I, am I feeling fulfilled or joyful? It lights me up. Mm. If it's not often, right, then there's, there's likelihood that you've paused your dream somewhere in there and that mm. you get to go back to the beginning, go back to the things that you liked when you were a kid. And I know people will say, oh, well, I wanted to be, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, I wanted to be a zoologist and a actress and something else right mm. and I said okay so you're living your dream and they were like no I'm not and I'm like you are you're living a version of your dream right because you love animals so you have animals in your life right you have a personal relationship mm. with your two dogs that you have so no you're not a zoologist but you've always had a love of animals and you have these animals in your life that you care very deeply for and you feel very connected to you wanted to be an actress because you like the ability to be able to transform things well, her career, she's not an actress, but she transforms things all day mm -hmm. long, every day, right? So it's really, really understanding what you wanted when you were a kid. What aspects of those do you have in your life right now? And are you fulfilled? If you're not fulfilled, if you're not being lit up, if you can't wake up in the morning excited about something about your day, then nine out of 10 times your dream is on pause and you get to take action to, to change that. I like that. Well, thank you for answering that question. I said, uh, I said, I had to make sure I pulled it up to. Uh, I to remembered it, it earlier too, and then I was like, oh, but this conversation is so good. I hope. <laughs> Here is my. Um, uh, I'm going to hit you with this one because my last one is going to be profound. Here's okay. my. This used to be my favorite question in season one because it told me a lot about. It told me a lot about the person just by describing the place. So, Shar, what is your favorite place to visit in the Capital District area and why? My favorite place to visit in the Capital District and why? Um, so, can it be a restaurant? 
Yes, it can be a restaurant. It can be a restaurant. It can be Albany, Troy, Schenectady. I know you didn't go to Troy until you went to Hudson Valley, but you know you might have found you might have found something out there too. So uh, yeah, I didn't go to Troy till I went to Hudson Valley, and I've still only been to Clifton Park twice. Oh. <laughs> well, when I go to Albany now, I don't have anybody in Clifton Park, and the only reason I have to go to Clifton Park is the Marshalls or whatever, because everybody's okay. always like, "That's the good one," and I don't need to shop anymore. <laughs> okay. So there is a little tiny restaurant on Washington Ave. And I, I see, here's the bad part. I can't even tell you the name. Across from the library. Across from the library on Washington I Ave. I want to tell you it's called something mountain. Okay. It's, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I, I think so because it's been there for a while. Um, but I, I don't know the name of it either. So yeah, you not giving us the name is is really putting us in a really weird spot. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna Google it. I'll Google it because okay. I'm gonna hold on. Let me Google it. Um, but okay, it's this really it's like a super eclectic spot on Washington Ave across from the library. It's been there for a long time. The reason that I like it. One, they serve vegan and vegetarian food that is amazing. And you know, right. I'm a vegetarian. And because it's really just a little eclectic, quirky spot that you could easily miss. So it's like yep. this little hidden treasure in the middle of, you know, Washington Avenue. Libraries across the street. You're walking down and it, you go through the gates and you go back there to the restaurant. But you, if you're not looking for it, you could miss it. Mm. So that's that's my favorite spot in the Capital District. Okay. I'm going to okay. find the name of it for you, though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I think I know exactly what you're talking about because you can easily miss it. But when you look or you know that it's there, uh, um, it's, it's there. A friend of mine used to live uh, uh, right there. So that, that's, it's that's Iron I Gate. Iron Gate. Okay. Yes, I always want to call it Iron Mountain. It's Iron Gate. And I know you go through the gate. And yes, it's, you can easily miss it. If you don't know it's there, because my sister lives, you know, she's living in Albany. And one time I said, Ooh, want to go to Iron Gate for breakfast? And she said, What is that? And I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. Washington Avenue. But when we got there, she said, Oh, Okay, I know this place. I've never eaten here. I've just seen it. So that's my spot. If you okay. can, if I'm in Albany for a couple of days, you can you can catch me there at least one of them. Nice, nice, nice. Now and see, now I'm curious of what that tells you about me now. Well, well, actually, that uh, uh, for me, you know, one, you know, uh, uh, I'm a sociologist, so I study <laughs> human behavior and how we interact with one another. So I like I like to know what kind of music you listen to, what kind of movies you listen to. It tells me a lot about your personality. When I lived in Morocco, it was the same way. I found out people's personalities through music and movies, and I found out we had a lot more in common. But what I've learned from that experience is that. You know, you don't need to be at uh, uh, places or spots that everyone uh, desires to be at. Uh, you find solace in uh, your own little uh, petite, uh, small areas that cater to what it is that uh, uh, cater to you, cater what it is uh, that you want. And, and that says a lot of, about you, because some people need to constantly be in the spotlight or next to people. And then there's some people that 
can just uh, 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 blend in in the background and and still be uh, uh, a star. So you know, so that, that's that, that's what it just told me about you. Very good. That is actually true. <laughs> but now, why am I sitting here wanting some iron gig breakfast tomorrow? <laughs> 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 I'm really confused. Oh man, see, mm. that's my spot. I love that spot. I'm gonna have to try. I, I'm gonna have to try. I don't think I've been there in years. Um, really? And actually, yeah, but I, I, I do know. Uh, you know, my palate has changed. Anywho, so you know. I find joy in in, in places where uh, where everyone else is not going to as well. So oh. I, I, if I went there before, I'm sure I, I never got a chance to really experience what I was supposed to experience there. I was probably in and out in Russian, just trying to grab something to go. But I'm gonna make sure I experience it. Oh, so I'm gonna get yes. the, I'm gonna get the Charlene Ridley experience. That's right. Go check it out and let me know what you think. And I think it's so cool too, right? Because Lots of places aren't offering alternative um, diets, right? Mm -hmm. And if you do get it, it's not necessarily flavorful and tasty. Mm. So their food is so good that if you're not, I mean, they have things that are not vegetarian or vegan, but if you are a meat eater, mm. you can one of their vegetarian dishes and love it. Because I've taken plenty of people there and they're like, ooh, this is good. Mm. But it is, it depends on your palate. So I got to hear yes. where you go. I'm ready. I want to know what you have to say about it. <laughs> I, I, listen, I will definitely shoot you a text because I know you don't want to call before, uh, 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 before. so I'll shoot you a text to tell yeah. you, sure, I got to tell you. So. Yeah, just tell me. Just send me the text. <laughs> I'll pick up. <laughs> see, you get it. It yeah. works. Yeah. Let me see, man. My final question for you uh, uh, for today uh, is, uh, how do you define success? And the reason why I ask this uh, uh, goes back to you know something you said a couple of a couple of minutes ago about you know uh, what people are pursuing is different. You know, and I think uh, our own definitions of success uh, might be different. But I'll be interested in hearing Charlene Ridley's version of success. So, what does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? I think. Success for me at this season in life means that you have decided what you want and are clear on it and have given it all of your energy and effort and have finished. Now, I don't mean finishing means you've accomplished it. I mean that you have given it everything you've got to seeing it through to fruition. That to me is success because success is not always you know, the having the thing or ending up, you know, okay, you want to be a billionaire, and you, but you only made you know, 999 million. You're not successful, but you are, you saw it through, right? You had a plan, you had a vision, you went after it, you pursued it with everything that you had and you finished. That to me is success right now. Okay. I like that. I like that. And it also sounds like it has a little bit of contentment in there too. Uh, which is good uh, for me. You know, I argue with some people about contentment versus complacency. And I always say those are two different things, people. They, they but, are two different things. I think we have to see, I think to your point of content, we have to be, sometimes we are so hell bent about getting to a place that we forget to celebrate all of the success of the journey, right? 
So it's like saying, for example, I, I didn't accelerate an MBA. Well, first of all, I was a super duper student anyway. It took me 15 years off and on to get a bachelor's degree. But I got it. But you got it. <laughs> I got it, right? Um, my master's degree, I thought, okay, it's going to take me accelerated program two years. It took me four, right? Mm-hmm. But I could have easily beat myself up like, oh, you didn't do it in X period of time, right? You're not a success. But the reality of the matter is I finished. Maybe I didn't finish in the time length, time period that I set forth, but I finished. And I had to learn for me to start celebrating those things because when I wasn't celebrating them, I was beating myself up off of all of my shortcomings, right? Mm -hmm. And and I was minimizing the really really successful moments. You got a master's degree, yeah, but it took you four years. Mm -hmm. But does it matter? A master's degree. That's what I'm saying. Does it, it does it matter? So I say that to say, like, even if your goal is millionaire and you have nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars, are you still successful, or do you cry over the couple of dollars that you didn't make, mm. right? Yeah. Or or do you say, you know what, I finished this in this period of time. Here's the goal. I finished. Did I hit millionaire? No. But can I re redevise another plan to get there? I can. Am I still successful right now? I am. Can I celebrate this success right now without minimizing it? I can. And to me, that's so that's that's the the thing. I like it. I like it. And made me it it made me just think of a book I just finished, uh, Will Smith's book. And in it, uh, Will Smith was just talking about how uh, how how crazy he was in his pursuit of success that he often missed how successful he really was. And he talked about how for eight years, uh, he had the number one movie in the row, right? And he was just like on his one, uh, he said he said his friend who, who was his uh, attorney, JL, in the book, uh, he, says, uh, he says, JL hung up on me one time in my whole life, right? And he said, he said, I called him after one of that might've been I Am Legend or something came out. And he was just like, uh, it grossed 77 million or something like that, right? And he was just like, here I am. I wasn't happy with the 77 million. He said, you know what I did? He said, I called him and I said, he said, he said, do you think if we would have changed the ending, we would have got it to 80? And he said, and he said, and he, and he said, and he said, my boy hung up on me, right? And he was just like, but it took him years to realize why he hung up on him in that moment because, you know, that was a major accomplishment all by itself already. But here it was, we, he wasn't looking at it. So everything that you just said put me right into the uh, spirit of what I was reading uh, uh, in Will Smith's new book. So you're spot that is on. So, you know, what? isn't that interesting how everything aligns and you, you hear things and you're like, oh yeah, that reminds me. I think that is so true though. And I had to get to this place for me to define success that way because I always, I was always minimizing my stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I was please like, like to the Will Smith point, like you, you read it as me and you, right. Who have never yeah. sold anything that was $77 million. And we're like, yeah. what? are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really ask that question? Right. But in our own lives, how many things do we minimize and say, mm-hmm. okay, I wasn't successful because I only did this. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have to learn to celebrate all of the things, all of the things. 
And just really that the fact that you said you were going to do it and, and you did it or you came very, very close. Because that means the next time you will do it. So you're a success in and of yourself. I like it. I like it. Well, listen, the back community, uh, uh, we have to thank Miss Charlene Ridley of Unpause Your Dreams, who has graciously provided us her time this afternoon. Char, it's been a pleasure uh, uh, catching up with you today. It's been a pleasure finding out that you uh, only went to Troy at the later years <laughs> of life, you know, and, and that, you know, I bet not listen. show up to your house unannounced without a check. <laughs> You know, there was got a text. You got a text. Yeah, yeah. There was there <laughs> okay, were so many texts. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many things that uh, uh, I've been able to uh, uh, learn about you uh, through this experience. So I always like to say, you know, uh, thank you for being vulnerable enough to open uh, uh, open yourself up to us on the back community. I can't wait to get your story out to the people, uh, and I look forward to. Uh, Unpause Your Dreams, uh, inaugural year uh, at, for your scholarship launch being huge. And I hope you get as many applicants as possible so they can go ahead and take all your money and all your free mentorship. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes, let's speak that into existence. So go apply now, y'all, or send it to somebody. Um, Rel has the, the flyer on his page. I have the flyer. So definitely send it out to the community. And if you need help transitioning, I'm also available to help you and mentor, coach you through those processes. This has been amazing. I could talk to you forever, but it's been good catching up. I'm going to text you so we can have some conversations and just catch up on a regular. <laughs> All right. That'll work. That'll work for me. Uh, you have yourself a wonderful night, man. I'll play catch up with you later. All right. Sounds good. All right. Have a good Bye -bye. night. Bye. Later.